Left-wing media elites get schooled by college freshmen at a disinformation conference. Dr. Anthony Fauci gives yet another warning on mask mandates. Plus, how did Gavin Newsom's California and other blue states fare from their COVID lockdowns? All that and more. I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour. And God bless the United States of America. Okay, friends, welcome to the show. Happy Monday. I hope you had a great weekend. If you're new to the show, thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to start with a bunch of left-wing media elites who got together recently for a conference, and events like this just crack me up. The left goes out of its way to censor and block and throttle and ban, and then in the same breath, they talk about how censorship isn't real. Similarly, the left-wing media and big tech love to talk about disinformation and how they are on a quest to get rid of it. What they really mean is that they will target conservative voices and conservative speech and let rhetoric from the left go unchallenged. This is exactly what leftists and media hoped would happen at their recent conference titled Disinformation and the Erosion of Democracy. Just one problem. A couple of questions from college freshmen went viral, and it revealed that the left doesn't care at all about disinformation if they are the ones doing it. Here's a story. Some of the biggest names in left-wing politics headlined a recent conference at the University of Chicago centered on disinformation, but it was two college freshmen who ended up stealing the show. The university hosted a disinformation and the erosion of democracy conference featuring big names like CNN's Brian Stelter, The Atlantic's Ann Applebaum and Jeffrey Goldberg, and former President Barack Obama. The conference was largely partisan, with the exception of the token conservative, Jonah Goldberg. As usual, an academic conference is stacked with those on the liberal elite side. Objectivity and accuracy are of no concern. But as mentioned, what these leftists said in their prepared comments was not nearly as important as how they answered legitimate questions from students. Here's University of Chicago freshman Daniel Schmidt. So, amazing. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. I'm Daniel Schmidt. I'm a freshman at the University of Chicago. My question is for Ms. Applebaum. Um, so in 2020, you wrote, those who live outside the Fox News bubble do not, of course, need to learn any of the stuff about Hunter Biden, referring to his laptop, of course. Uh, a poll later after that found that if voters knew about the content of the laptop, 16% of Joe Biden voters would have acted differently. Now, of course, we know a few weeks ago, the New York Times confirmed that the content is real. Do you think the media acted inappropriately when they instantly dismissed uh, Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation? And what can we learn from that in ensuring that what we label as disinformation is truly disinformation and not reality? Great question. The laptop and its contents were truly legitimate from the beginning. The story broke from a legitimate news source, the New York Post. Can you imagine Facebook and Twitter banning a story from the New York Times or the Atlantic pending further investigation? No. In this case, what's meant by further investigation is waiting until the election was over. The student also accurately pointed out the polling that indicated 16% of Biden voters would have changed their votes had they known about the laptop story. That's enough right there to change the outcome of the election. So how do you think the Atlantic's Ann Applebaum responded? Here it is. My problem with Hunter Biden's laptop is I think totally irrelevant. I mean, it's not whether it's disinformation or, I mean, I don't think the 
Hunter Biden's um, business relationships have anything to do with who should be president of the United States. So I, I, didn't find, I don't find it to be interesting. I mean, that, that would be my problem with the, that as a, as a major news story. Uh, we're going to talk about more of this uh, tomorrow in our first uh, panel, so stand by. Um, and I, I think we have run out of time. How pathetic. She says the Hunter Biden laptop story isn't interesting. Hmm. Well, 16% of Biden voters would have changed their votes, gone from Biden to Trump because of the story. That sounds pretty interesting to me. But more importantly, is a story that's not interesting, does that warrant being blocked and banned? Does the not interesting story require left-wing media members to denounce it as disinformation? Because that's exactly what happened. The left attacked the story. They didn't simply ignore it as not interesting. Then there was this question from freshman Christopher Phillips. Uh, my name is Christopher Phillips. I'm a first year at the college. Uh, my question is for Mr. Seltzer. Uh, you've all spoken extensively about Fox News being a purveyor of uh, disinformation, uh, but CNN is right up there with them. They pushed the Russian collusion hoax. They pushed the Jesse Smollett hoax. They smeared Justice Kavanaugh as a rapist, and they also smeared Nick Sandman as a white supremacist. And yes, they dismissed the Hunter Biden laptop affair as pure Russian disinformation. Uh, with mainstream corporate journalists becoming little more than uh, apologists and cheerleaders for the regime, is it time to finally declare that the, uh, the canon of journalistic ethics is dead or no longer operative? Uh, all the mistakes of the mainstream media, and CNN in particular, seem to magically all go in one direction. Are we expected to believe that this is all just some sort of random coincidence, or is there something else behind it? Another great question. These media outlets are talking about disinformation, and this college freshman just nailed Brian Stelter and CNN with five examples. Russia collusion, Jussie Smollett, Brett Kavanaugh, Nick Sandman, Hunter Biden. Here's Stelter's response. I think you're describing a different channel than the one that I watch. Uh, but I understand that that is a popular right-wing narrative about CNN. I think it's important when we talk about shared reality and democracy, all these networks, all these news outlets have to defend democracy. And when they screw up, admit it. Uh, but when Benjamin Hall, the Fox correspondent, was wounded in Ukraine, the news crews at CNN and the New York Times stopped what they were doing, and they tried to help. They tried to help him get out of the country. They tried to find the dead crew members. That's what news outlets do. That's how they actually do work together to your question about sharing those kinds of connections and trust. We don't talk about it enough, though. We don't share that reality about how that happens. And with regards to the regime, I think you mean the President Biden? The last time I spoke with a Biden aide, we yelled at each other. So that's the reality of the news business. Lame. That was a complete non-answer. Helping fellow reporters in Ukraine has nothing to do with CNN's concerted effort to spread fake news. Brian Stelter didn't come close to addressing the actual question. Instead, he sprinkled references to right-wing talking points or narratives in an effort to discredit the college student. How pathetic is that? But this is today's left-wing media, peddling fake news while also hosting disinformation conferences. All right, next let's talk about Dr. Anthony Fauci. But first, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, Hit that subscribe button. Make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Okay, next is Dr. Anthony Fauci, who is milking COVID for all it's worth. 
He keeps making the rounds on the left-wing news shows, and despite Americans getting back to normal, Fauci continues to preach gloom and doom and concern, and even says that masks may be coming back. Uh, I don't think so. Americans are tired of the hype and the hyperbole. Remember the Omicron variant? We knew from initial data that it was mild, that Americans would be okay. I got it. My family got it. My friends got it. And yet, Fauci and Biden and the entire White House used Omicron as an opportunity to keep people living in fear and to shun and demonize those who just wanted to live their lives in supposedly the freest country in the world. Recall, this is what Biden tweeted back in December. We are intent on not letting Omicron disrupt work and school for the vaccinated. You've done the right thing, and we will get through this. For the unvaccinated, you're looking at a winter of severe illness and death for yourselves, your families, and the hospitals you may soon overwhelm. A winter of severe illness and death. Was that following the science? No. Again, we knew from data from other countries, the severity was well known, and yet Biden put out that tweet. Now, Dr. Anthony Fauci is warning that a variant more mild than Omicron could bring back masks. Here's Fauci on ABC News' This Week program on Sunday. But as people pull back, when you have a highly transmissible virus like the BA2, and you have pulling back on mitigation methods, at the same time there's waning immunity, we're going to see an uptick. So the numbers you gave are not surprising. What we're hoping happens, and I believe it, it, it will, is that you won't see a concomitant comparable increase in severity in the sense of people requiring hospitalizations and deaths. That was a whole lot of blah, blah, blah. Fauci throws out some big words in which he buries the fact that this variant is not severe. But the whole tone of the comment is one that says, oh no, people are not masking up. They're not social distancing, so things could get bad. That's what he and Biden were saying with Omicron over the winter, and not only the facts, but their spin was 100% wrong. Here's more from Fauci. But the idea that we're going to see an uptick, I think people need to appreciate that that's the case and follow the CDC guidelines. Because remember, when the metrics were put forth, the new metrics, looking at the guidance of masking, it was said that if we do start seeing an uptick, particularly of hospitalizations, we may need to revert back to being more careful and having more utilizations of masks indoors. Watch out. Mask mandates could return. That's Fauci's warning. And yet... How many studies have there been on the ineffectiveness of masks? In some places, young children are still required to wear masks, which completely goes against any scientific data out there. But that's Fauci's warning. And then, later in the interview, Fauci says something that is just stunning, and I'm still trying to figure it all out. Here's Fauci on the topic of personal choice. That there will be a level of infection. This is not going to be eradicated, and it's not going to be eliminated. Mm. And what's going to happen is that we're going to see that each individual is going to have to make their calculation of the amount of risk that they want to take in going to indoor dinners and going to functions, even within the realm of a green zone uh, 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 map of the country where you see everything looks green, but it's starting to tick up. Wait, what? Fauci is talking that each person will make a decision about the level of risk he or she will take on? That's what I've been saying from the very beginning. We know the vaccine isn't a true vaccine. It doesn't prevent you from getting COVID. 
anyone, vaccinated or not, can get COVID and spread COVID. We know that as fact. So the whole public pressure campaign to get vaccinated so you can protect others was just bogus and shameful. Each person can decide what level of protection, if any, is the right level. Whatever someone else does is completely irrelevant. It's a personal choice. And for Fauci to bring that up is just stunning. And yet it doesn't mesh at all with his warnings that mask mandates could return. That's the opposite of personal choice. So why do you think Fauci was suddenly talking about personal choice? Let me know in the comments. All right, next let's talk about how states handled COVID after a word from our sponsors. I wanna tell you about my friends over at World Fair. If you have a photo of your childhood home, your favorite travel spot, your hometown football stadium, whatever it is, World Fair takes that photo and turns it into a hand-drawn work of art. These sketches make great gifts, moving announcement cards, invitations, and more. So many possibilities that World Fair can do for you. And all you need is a photo. Just use the link in the description and use coupon code BOBBY13 for 10% off your next purchase. Next, let's look at the fallout from COVID policies in various states, such as Governor Gavin Newsom in California. Which states handled COVID better and which states didn't? Those were the questions that the Committee to Unleash Prosperity had in mind when they commissioned a study on state-level handling of COVID. The results are significant, but they are not necessarily surprising. Here's the story. The Committee to Unleash Prosperity study compared state performance on metrics including the economy, education, and mortality from the virus, and examined how states and their respective governments handled the pandemic response. Shutting down their economies and schools was by far the biggest mistake governors and state officials made during COVID, particularly in blue states. Steve Moore, co-founder of the Committee to Unleash Prosperity, told Fox News Digital. We hope the results of this study will persuade governors not to close schools and businesses the next time we have a new virus variant. New York, California, New Jersey, and Illinois were among the worst in dealing with the coronavirus, performing poorly on every measure, the report said. These states had high age-adjusted death rates, they had high unemployment and significant GDP losses, and they kept their schools shut down much longer than almost all other states, the report added. Imagine that. New York, California, and New Jersey. Throw in Illinois, too. Those states were among the worst. And don't fall for the false argument that, oh, these are densely populated states, and that's why. Wrong. There are other densely populated states that did much better. Florida has the highest percentage of seniors of any state, and COVID was the worst among seniors. So how did states like Florida do? Here's more. States like Utah, Nebraska, Vermont, Montana, South Dakota, and Florida, all governed by Republicans, received the highest scores in the study, first through sixth, respectively. In fact, 13 of the top 15 states in the study are governed by Republicans. The study also found no correlation in those states that enacted stringent travel, vocation, and dining restrictions with lower death totals. The study verifies other studies which have found that locking down businesses, stores, churches, schools, and restaurants had almost no impact on health outcomes across the states, the report determined. States with strict lockdowns had virtually no better performance on COVID death rates than states that remain mostly open for business. 
Isn't it interesting that during 2020 and 2021, the left-wing states were the ones praised by the liberal media? States like Texas and Florida were blasted in the press. These reporters literally blasted states in the United States of America that adopted policies to protect freedom and individual rights. And while businesses remained shut down and schools were closed and vaccines were mandated, the people in those states suffered economically, socially, and mentally, all because some were more concerned about power and control than freedom and health. All right, next Secretary of Health and Human Services, Xavier Bashera, joins a growing list of Democrats who refuse to say what a woman is. It's a question that is driving Democrats into a frenzy, and yet it's a simple example of the woke radical left pushing away voters who just value a little common sense. This seems to be a pattern with today's Democrats. Recall in the Virginia election, Democrat candidate for Governor Terry McAuliffe famously said this during a debate. So first of all, this shows how clueless Glenn Youngkin is. He doesn't understand what the laws were because he's never been involved here in helping Virginia. But it was not. The parents had to write to veto bills, veto books, Glenn, not to be knowledge about it, also take them off the shelves. And I'm not going to let parents come into schools and actually you take books out and make their own decisions. You vetoed it. So, to yeah, I stopped the bill that I don't think parents should be telling schools what they should teach. McAuliffe and the Democrats actually thought it was a good strategy to alienate parents when it comes to education issues. They still think that. They push critical race theory on kids and parents don't want it. The Democrats' response? Parents shouldn't be involved. How do you think that will play in November? Similarly, the left keeps pushing transgender issues with boys and girls restrooms and boys on girls sports teams. No one supports that, and yet the left keeps pushing. They say they support women, but they now refuse to even define what a woman is. That's a problem for any voter who has a brain. Here's the story. Secretary Bashara became the latest Democrat to struggle to answer after Representative Mary Miller, Illinois Republican, asked him point blank, what is a woman? Can you define the word? Congresswoman, I'm looking at you, and I think you're a woman. How much more do you want me to give you? Said Mr. Bouchera at the Wednesday hearing of the House Education and Labor Committee. Ms. Miller shot back, if you're in charge of health and human services, we want a specific definition of what a woman is. The Democrats are tying themselves into knots. They are so beholden to a group of radicals, they can't even answer basic questions. Representative Miller summed up this situation perfectly with her comments to the Washington Times. This didn't used to be a trick question, Ms. Miller told the Washington Times. While there is so much in this world that we don't know, for all of recorded history, people have known what a woman is. But Justice Jackson, Secretary Bashara, and others in the Biden administration are so pressured to be aligned with the radical left that they cannot acknowledge common sense. That's perfect, and it shows yet another issue where the Democrats are firmly on one side and the majority of the American people are on the other. How do you think it will play out in November? Let me know in the comments. Friends, that's our show for today. I hope you enjoyed it. And don't forget, if you're new to the show or haven't subscribed yet, regardless of platform, just search on my name, hit that subscribe button, make sure notifications are turned on. That way you can follow the show and help us grow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Our next show is going to be Friday evening at the usual time, 6.30 p.m. Central. Until then, 
I'm Bobby Eberly. This is a 13-minute news hour.